Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know, we love talking about sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, consent, respect, and relationships, and hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Well, great sex matters, and we all deserve it. So, have you ever wondered how swingers meet other swingers? It's such an underground world filled with mystery and secrecy. There must be some unusual codes of conduct. Or perhaps you just figured there must be an app for that. Well, you're right. There are many online dating sites for us swingers. And on today's show, we're going to chat with a vice journalist who found out for herself exactly how the online dating scene works for swingers when she was prompted by a friend to investigate how single men infiltrate the swingers world, which is predominantly filled with heterosexual couples where the women are in the driver's seat. All right. But before we get going... Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our show sponsor, which is our top waterproof blanket because nobody wants to sleep in the wet spot and squirt is hot until it's not. So if you're fed up with sleeping in that proverbial wet spot like I was or having to change the sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leakproof and guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets, even if you're a massive squirter like the gorgeous Carol is sitting next to me. She's not squirting right now, but she does when we have sex. (laughs) Our top waterproof blanket will protect any play space from messy massage oils, silicone lube, or any other sexy wetness. Just throw it down and get it on. And the best thing is the easy cleanup. When you're done, you just throw it in the washer and dryer, and it comes out looking like brand new. Now available in two sizes and three color combinations. Order yours from Amazon today. Great sex starts now. It sure does, and so does our show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we are so excited to welcome today's special guest all the way from the other side of the pond in London. Abby Moss is a freelance journalist who writes for Vice and Refinery29, covering various topics including sex, feminism, and relationships. Abby, welcome to The Sexy Lifestyle. Hi, Hi guys. Thanks for having me. Yay. We're, we're so happy to be talking to you. I guess it's afternoon for you, morning for us. And uh, here we are all the way across the pond talking think, to each other. Do you think she's sitting there squirting? Um, I don't know, Abby. Well, we're going to get oh. into her sex life and our Great Sex Matters okay. segment a little bit later. Okay. So, uh, Abby, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about how you became a journalist in the sexuality sector? Sure. So I started out not writing primarily about sex. I started writing about sort of other things, kind of weird experiences, strange fitness classes, things like that. Um, And then I wrote an article on a particular fetish, um, gynecological fetishism. And through that, um, 
made a whole bunch of fantastic contacts. Gigi Engel, who I think you guys yes, know. Yes, we do. We have interviewed um, her. Yeah, yeah. Gigi's fantastic. And she put me in touch with Melissa Vitel, who works at the NSFW Sex Club in New York. She's their communications director. Okay. And through that, basically, um, it snowballed. And I started making all these incredible contacts in in the industry, you know, sex educators, um, sex PR people, sexologists, sex workers. And through that, just more and more ideas and things were kind of flying at me from all directions. And that's how I kind of ended up writing mostly about sex and relationships. It's very cool. You know, Carol and I were talking the other day about, you know, we live in the world of sexuality. We have our show, we're swingers, we're out there at all the different resorts and events. But it is absolutely absolutely astronomical how many pieces of content are out there today talking about Mm -hmm. all the different aspects of things related to sexuality and relationships. Well, I think that's a lot to do with the fact that we're all just hungry for information. We've been, I guess, sex information starved all these years. And now there's just a huge glut of information out there that people are talking. And I think that's just amazing. The whole world is going to be shifting. Just imagine five more years from now, and hopefully discussions about sex will be a normal conversation, not just those in the sexuality industry. Yeah, I I agree. I think... um there's a lot less, a lot more good information out there now. I was going to say there's less misinformation. I don't think that's true. <laughs> right. But there's a lot more. There's a lot more good information about sex and in-depth articles and things that are open-minded. And from my perspective, both of the publications I write for, Vice and Refinery Twenty Nine, I'm very lucky that I'm never censored the things I'm able to write about are very open and very honest and both of the editors I work with there are really fantastic at wanting to get across that openness and and I think that's kind of going a long way to creating a lot more talk especially online about people's sexuality and encouraging people to be more understanding maybe yeah. Than yeah, because they're getting to be in very often education is or ignorance is what's stopping them from um, from making the right choices or the right judgments, but information is what's going to uh, turn the point here. And what I really like about your articles, because I've read a number of them now, and um, what I really like is you put yourself out there, you get the information, and then of course also consult experts on the topic. And we'd love to hear more about this article that you just wrote about the online dating. Um, For swingers. Yeah, and how you got yourself into it just to make sure that the information you have is firsthand. And she came for, to some, some reliable resources. She asked us all about <laughs> swinging right. online and all the stuff that goes on. So let's hear about this article. Yeah, so the article is about um, sw- apps for for swingers and for people in open relationships. Uh, primarily, I talk about Field, which is really popular in London. It, it markets itself very specifically towards couples and young couples. It's used by millennials primarily. And what I discovered through talking to a friend, I, I'm lucky to have a lot of friends who are very active in the kink scene and are happy to talk about the fact that they're in open relationships. Um, in one case, I have a friend who's in an open marriage, even. So they're very happy talking about these things with me. And a friend of mine, we were out for having a drink. She said, oh, this is so annoying. I'm on this app. 
and I keep getting getting talking to couples who turn out to not be couples at all. They're single guys. And I thought, that's interesting. That's a very particular kind of, of catfishing online. Then I started to think, why would people do this? How pervasive is it? Why would people do this in an environment where you can be completely open about sex, basically just ask for what you want? Why would anyone try to create a falsified identity or to deceive anybody? So I joined Field um, with my partner in order to try to encounter some of these interactions and, and to get talking to some of these people for myself. Straight away, um, we got talking to people who seemed shady, who, were, who would make funny excuses when I'd say, well, can, you, can we go on a video call? Can you send me a selfie? Oh, no, no, my, my partner's away for work, things like that. So, yeah, basically discovered this wasn't just happening to my friend. This was a really across-the-board phenomena that was happening a lot. Got talking to other users who said, yes, yes, that happens all the time. And then yourselves, you, you said to me, yeah, the fakers have been around forever. Um, you always have to be wary. So that's how I got into it. And I just wanted to really... Um, experience it for myself. I didn't want to just be taking people on their word. I wanted to make sure that this really was something that was going on. And that's why I um, took that slightly more gonzo approach, which is something I like to do in general, especially writing about sex. I think it's important to get involved to a certain level rather than just be sort of looking in from the outside, if what, that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does make sense. And what we never understood, and, and we spoke about this um, before you interviewed us for the article, is in the swinging lifestyle, the ultimate goal is to meet another couple and fuck them. Plain and simple. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the, yeah. the swinging is about sex. It's not about falling in love. It's not about anything else. It's just the raw mm -hmm. act of having sex. And we don't understand, like you don't, why people would put themselves out there as fakes, maybe they have nothing to do with their time, to, you know, just chat and and waste somebody's time. But you also mentioned to us that your research uncovered that some of these people, these single guys, actually got to go on a date with a couple and the couple thought they were going to meet a couple and they met this single guy. Um, what were some of the feelings you got from, from those interviews you did? Yeah, actually, I haven't met any couples who've ended up meeting single guys. What I've met is single women who thought they were going on a date with a couple oh. and then a single guy turned up. Ah, um, and I, I th well, the woman I, I, I spoke to who had a particularly um, sh strange example of that was she turned up completely thinking it was a couple. She believed she'd been talking, turned up at the bar. The guy was getting texts, I hope you can hear my air quotes there, <laughs> from his partner, who apparently, you know, was stuck at work. Oh. And she said to me, you know, he said, oh, I'm so sorry, she's stuck at work, she's not going to be able to make it. Of course, she never turned up. Uh -huh. And this woman I was talking to said to me, you know, I think she didn't exist, but this guy kind of was trying his luck, thought to himself, 
well, if I can get her into a bar, maybe I can chat her up and, you know, maybe maybe she'll fuck me, mm-hmm. which I just think is bizarre because she has no interest in that. She's right. there to meet couples. Right. right. And one of the things that we have learned after being swingers for 12 years is the lifestyle is driven by the woman. And when you're meeting people online, after you get to the basic introduction, the women have mm-hmm. to talk. And and literally, mm-hmm. not, not, not chat on text but either have a little video conference pick up the phone and talk to each other and the women need to connect and because that that filters out a whole bunch of crap well filters out certainly single guys um, because the women are the ones who really have to kind of agree if they're going to be sharing their partners or somehow being if it's a threesome being invited in because those guys are easy right right and it's the women who have to feel comfortable it's all about empowering women I mean that's what the lifestyle is about so um, yeah there comes a point after the the chit chat and you seem to be compatible online everything seems to be fine the profiles match etc etc but then there comes a time when you have to move forward with the relationship of somehow getting physically together because you can't have sex on you know you have to be together to be having sex that's the whole goal um, and so you get a much better feel for a person when you speak to them on the phone or see their face or you get to know because it's all about the chemistry you have to feel that comfort and one of the hardest things about couples dating is the four people have to match when you're singles dating it's easy it's one-on-one you talk to each other you like them you don't when couples dating the guy has to like the girl, the guy has to like the guy, the girl has to like the girl, the girl has to like the guy, and it's it's not as easy as it sounds, and you never take one for the team. So, you know, you start with looking at someone's profile, you look at their picture, and you say, okay, physically, are they appealing? Great. Then the two girls chat, and if it works, fantastic. But if it does, if there's not the right combination, um, it doesn't go, and that's why, you know, on a, a dating site like SDC, which is the largest in the world, um, there's millions of people there, but you're not fucking millions of people. There's only a, a, a small, small group yes. of people that you are compatible with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, speaking from personal experience, when I was on these sites kind of delving into it myself, the first sort of suspicious account I started talking to was this guy who was perfectly happy to chat to me. You know, I was talking to him. He was talking to me supposedly his girlfriend was aware of this, you know, if she existed. And the second I started to say, right, should we set up a group chat or can I talk to your girlfriend? Suddenly it was, oh, she doesn't like chatting online. I do all the admin. And as you were saying, I thought, well, how does that work? Because surely in these dynamics, as you said, the women need to talk. Everyone needs to talk together. And I think it's that openness that I found really interesting about about that lifestyle and it and it's interesting because even when we're at hedonism or we're on the swingers cruise when you meet people in person even you can sit and chat four of you together but if the women don't connect right there nothing is going to happen and it is so female positive sex positive in the swinging lifestyle that um, if you don't get that connection online, if you don't get that connection in, in person, the sex isn't going to happen. And I, I, we, we still, Carol and I t- today, don't understand why people put themselves out there faking who they are. Yeah, I, I think I don't know if you guys agree with this, but I think there seems to be a lot of misunderstanding about 
um, swinging and, and open relationships. A lot of people I spoke to while I was writing this article uh, jumped to the conclusion that this was something that men would, uh, women were doing for the benefit of their boyfriends, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and really it, it was the men who were driving it. And I said, as you just said, no, no, that's not the, that's not the feeling at all. It's very female led. But I think people jump to a conclusion that that isn't the case, which I think is quite interesting. And I hope that by this article that I wrote and other ones, maybe people will read them and kind of start to question their their preconceptions about things. Well, I'm really glad that that was one of the, that's one of the biggest myths around the swinging lifestyle. And I'm glad that you were even able from the outside looking in, you were able to bust that myth yourself because you're absolutely right. The biggest myth is that it's the men dragging the women into this and uh, they're agreeing, of course, because it is consensual non-monogamy, but they're agreeing for the fact uh, to please their husband when really that's not the case. And I'm not saying that the men might not be the first one to bring it up because very often that might be the case. You know, hey, honey, I've seen this. Wouldn't this be interesting? Would you be interested in doing this kind of thing? I'm not saying it's not the men who might bring it up first, but if it's not the women driving it, then it's not swinging. It's not what it's all about because it really, this whole world really is empowering women to take control, to embrace their sexuality, to admit and, uh, you know, agree that they have a great sex life and they want more. They just want to make it better. And uh, that's what it's all about. So it's kind of cool. Like you say, they want to say yes to great sex. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really happy that you discovered that myth and you were able to bust it on your own. But did you come up with something that was like really uh, the the most interesting thing that you found out about the swing lifestyle while you were writing this article? What, What would you say was the most interesting part? To be honest, I think the fact that women in in the lifestyle are so willing to talk openly about their sex lives. You know, I found that so refreshing. And I think that is the biggest and most important thing about this that's going to challenge the way that we think think about sex and talk about sex. I, in particular, I think there's this idea of... In society, we tend to think that if you're planning sex in advance, somehow that's creepy and weird. Mm. I don't, and I think when you drill down into that, that that comes from some kind of idea that sex is shameful or something that you shouldn't shouldn't do premeditatively, right? Right. And I think the the throwing out of that idea was very refreshing. The idea that women and men were saying well, no, I've planned this elaborate orgy and everyone's coming around at this time and here's what we're going to do and we've all got ideas about how we want it to go down. I, I found that very refreshing and I hadn't encountered that before really. Well, that's really cool because I guess that's another myth that most people think that sex should be spontaneous. A good sex life is a spontaneous sex life. But when you talk to the experts, you pretty much find out that if you don't at least uh, make some type of planning with your partner at some time in your life, because then uh, 
so many things get in the way and you never find that spontaneity and then your sex life goes down the tubes. So we have definitely learned that in a partnership, you need to at least plan to have sex during the week and not just leave it to the weekend or whatever. All day foreplay. All day foreplay, of course. And um, that spontaneous sex is almost a romantic thing that happens maybe in the first six months of your relationship when you're just having crazy wild monkey sex anyways. Um, But yeah, people do have the preconceived notion that spontaneous sex is a real sex life whereas this planned sex is like forced which is not really true at all mm-hmm. um, because sex can't you can't just live on spontaneous sex anyways it just kind of dies out and then it doesn't happen and next you know wow a week has passed two weeks has passed and you haven't had sex yet um, yeah so I'm kind of that's kind of interesting too I'd never really thought about the swinging lifestyle being a planned sexual activity and of course it is um, so it Yeah, absolutely. But when you go to these events, you know that you're going to have sex at some point during the evening. The spontaneous part or the feeling, the excitement is you don't know who you're going to have it with. So, yeah, it's still planned, except that you don't know who. So Or how many. (laughs) There you go. So no matter what we have, uh, you're right. It's definitely a different way of looking at. Uh, you're at you plan at having sex. I like the fact that Abby said that uh, women are a lot more comfortable talking about their sex lives and their sexuality because we're going to get into Abby's later on in the show in our Great Sex Matters segment. Yeah, I guess we're just going to ask you to uh, to hang on a second. We're going to come back to uh, Abby and continue our discussion. Just remind everybody that we are Carol and David, and we are talking with Abby Moss. She's a freelance journalist, and we're talking all about her current article about online dating for swingers. And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hey, I'm the sponsor. I get to talk about (laughs) Young Swingers. And uh, we're going to be at Young Swingers in March. If you haven't booked, it's too late. It's already sold out, third year in a row. But don't worry. They have another experience that's a brand new event for all ages, and it's from the same organizers, like I just said, of Young Swingers Week. So you can join us September 26th to October 3rd, 2020, at Hedonism 2 Resort in Jamaica. It's, again, a full hotel takeover, couples-only event, and we'll be celebrating our passion for fitness, kink, and arm candy. It's a triple play, all from the, with the same qu- top-quality entertainment team as the Young Swingers Week. Book now because it's going to sell out fast. And we're going to be there. We're going to be broadcasting live on location. So if you want to come down, be on our show, uh, go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, travel and events page, and you'll see all the information. And we want to invite everyone to join us at Hedonism 2 in Jamaica during Goddess Week, May 9 to 16, hosted by Kim and Brad from Tantric Hearts. And we have Kim here with us to tell us all about the highlights of the week and what to expect. Hello, everybody. Thank you, Carol. I am so excited about the Goddess Week. We are going to have so much fun. We're going to be exploring Goddess Spot, feminine empowerment, manifesting your desires. So if you're looking for more passion, more connection, more intimacy in your relationships, and also you want to have more passion in yourself and in your relationships, then we can help you with finding that Goddess Within. So join us. Um, we're looking forward to it. We're going to be here and having a whole lot of fun. So if you want to find out more about this event, uh, of course, you can go to tantrichearts.com and thesexylifestyle.com. We'll have all the information posted there. All right. We're Carol and David. You know that. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. And it's time to get back to our program with Abby Moss. She's a sexuality journalist for Vice and Refinery29. And now we get to find out about Abby's first experience at a nudist colony. 
So Abby, that was an amazing article that you wrote about your first experience. Why don't you start from the beginning and tell us how that happened? Thank you. Um, well, so my partner and I were on holiday in France. We actually, believe it or not, stumbled across by accident the largest and oldest naturist resort in the world. It was founded in 1953. Um, how that happened was we were walking down the beach. Um, it's, it's on the Atlantic coast, so the beaches are huge and long. We're walking down, walking down, walking down. Suddenly we're on the naturist part of the beach. So this was maybe, how long ago was this? Six years ago? I had never been to a naturist beach before. So actually I was quite nervous about it, which seems bizarre to me now. I can't really relate to why I felt so anxious, but I did. Um, but basically thought, well, you know, fuck it, you only live once. We both stripped off, we were on the beach, relaxing, having a great day. And then my partner, said oh i'll just go up there there were some shops and things behind on the beach he said i'll go up there get us some drinks he came back down he said god there's a whole huge thing up there there's bars there's swimming pools there's like loads of people walking around I, you know i think it's some sort of big thing so back in the nor you know normal town that night we googled it discovered what it was um chm montalive this huge naturist resort and we said oh, should we, should we go? You know, and we were both really apprehensive about it. But I emailed um, my editor at the time at Refinery29, and I said, oh, look, we're thinking about doing this. Do you want a piece on it? She replied instantly, yes, do it. So then in the way that my brain works, I sort of then felt safer somehow to do it because I was writing about it. Love that. cover. Yeah, you know, I was like, oh, I, you know, I can Louis through it. I can kind of, you know. So, so we went. Um, we stayed for four days that first time that we went. And we loved it so much that we've been back every year for the past six years. Um, so, yeah, the article really was just about the experience and the sort of slight embarrassing pitfalls that we made um <laughs> for you know for for example in the evening people do get dressed at this place just for the practical reason of it gets a bit cold in the evenings mm -hmm. so i kind of suspected that this might be the case and i said to my partner we were going out to a restaurant and i said mm, i'm pretty sure people are going to get dressed you know it's a bit chilly out there I'm going to put some clothes on. And my partner said, no, no, you know, we, we must respect everyone's values. I'm going to stay naked. I said, okay, that's up to you. I'm going to bring you some clothes, you know, just in, just in case you want them later. So we're approaching this enormous restaurant. Sure enough, everyone is dressed, everyone, <laughs> apart from my partner, who then, bless him, has to walk through a very large and completely full restaurant full of clothes people, completely naked, to the toilets at the back of the restaurant <laughs> to put on his shorts and T-shirt. And he came back to the table and he said, yeah, you know that dream where everyone's naked? <laughs> I've, I've just lived it. You know, so that, those were kind of some of the little pitfalls that we had on our first kind of time going there. But what's great about it is it is a naturist resort, you know. That was a bit of a faux pas, but it's not like anyone was shocked and outraged well, by, very, by well, that, you know. 
What's very cool um, about about Nature's Resorts and Swingers Resorts is if you go to a Swingers Resort, it's about sex. And if you go to a Nature's Resort, it's about being naked. And um, we've been to both. We've seen. And sometimes the naturists and the swingers don't get along because um, it's one thing to be nude and another thing to be there fucking. Yeah, nude and having sex are two very different things. Exactly. Absolutely. I think what we um, like about this place that we go to, uh, and that's not to say that there's anything wrong with a resort that does have a more sexual element, but what I enjoy about the Naturist Resort in particular is the fact that as a woman, it's very refreshing to be walking around completely naked and have no one objectify you. Right, mm-hmm. yes. You know, in, in London, you can walk down the street street in a baggy jumper and jeans and some guy in a white van is going to wolf whistle you yeah, yeah you know here you're walking around naked and people you sort of forget that everybody's naked it becomes right. such a non-thing and i think there's something very healthy in that particularly for women and particularly for young women and, re- and young and young men yeah for well. sure i really liked I in your art i liked in your article where you said something like you thought that you were going to be exposed when in fact it just makes you blend in more and you mm-hmm. you know it's an equalizer when everybody has just their skin showing you don't know if they're millionaires or if they're poor people or if they're a worker or whatever you have no idea because everyone's just in their birthday suit basically and so I kind of liked that analysis that you made in your article and how you had a preconceived notion of that before taking off your clothes that you thought you were going to feel fully exposed when in fact you just felt more blending in Mm -hmm. yeah I think that that feeling of exposure is what a lot of people feel nervous about at these kinds of places we we talk quite openly about this holiday to our friends actually this past summer Two of our friends came with us for the first time, and they loved it too. Um, but usually when you first bring it up, that's what people say. They go, oh, I could never do that, or I don't have the self-confidence to do that, because people are worried that, they, that they'll feel exposed. But actually, I think when it comes to self-confidence, it, it's fantastic for that, because there's all different body types there. The main thing you learn is that you know, people are just people and everyone looks different and it's all just fine and normal. And I think that's such a kind of healthy, liberating thing to experience. It is. And, you know, um, we laugh all the time because when we go to swingers resorts or nudist resorts, Carol loves it because every single guy that's there is walking around with the hardest erection. I mean, there's hard cocks absolutely everywhere. These guys can't get them down. Right, hon? No, that's not the case. (laughs) (laughs) He's just joking. No, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. There's, we've never seen a guy who wasn't in some sort of sexual thing have an erection because everything, like you said, is so normal and, and everybody is nude. If you come wearing clothes, you're the one that's going to stand out. So there's there's guys. Go to a nudist place, get naked. You're not going to have an issue with an erection. Yeah, a lot of guys are worried about that. But I do have a question. After you went to the nudist uh, place for the first time, when you did you change your way you live at home? Do you ever like sneak a few new days at home where you just walk around naked? Naked house cleaning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Most of our summers, we are naked. We, we have a little roof terrace at our flat uh-huh. and an average sunny Saturday is spent naked sunbathing on the roof terrace. Very nice. You know, and we have to text our friends, you know, 
either some of our friends don't care and they'll just turn up and be like, oh, you guys are naked, that's fine. Other guys, we have to kind of be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take a bit longer to answer the door because I'm naked. We kind kind of do that at home too here at the house. And, you know, we just don't want our kids to walk in and be shocked. Not, you know, they know we're naked. That's fine. They they don't want to see their parents naked. That's just their choice. So we kind of leave a note on the door saying, you know, by the way, we're in the hot tub or something. They get it. And they just uh, go, "Uh, mom, dad, uh, you know, you want to come in? (laughs) So we don't want them to be uh, embarrassed that it's their parents we we understand and so yeah we usually leave a little warning sticker on so that's fine we get it too we yeah. love being naked if there's nobody around if there's no chance of someone dropping in we would spend half our lives naked in the house here for sure yeah same yeah when you wrote your first article that kind of brought you into this the realm of sexuality which was the i had I've read it also which was about the the kink about the uh playing doctor the doctor role or the gynecological doctor role um, that was your first experience uh, in this sexuality, the realm of sexuality. But when you started back then, um, did you have a closed mind about sex? Like, did or was that the first thing that opened you up to thinking about? Oh, is that? Did you find it weird, or were you just interested? Did you start that piece because you actually wanted to know more about kink? Well, that actually wasn't the first piece I wrote about kink that was the first piece where I kind of developed a large um contact oh okay but previous to that I'd written a piece about um breast milk fetish um and the reason I wrote about that was because I'd read an article in the sun newspaper about it that's a British tabloid here um where it was a woman sort of talking about how her and her partner are into breast milk in a sexual way and the comments on that article were so vitriolic, it was really quite shocking. Huh. So I sort of thought to myself, I wouldn't say I was closed-minded about it. I did think, yes, I think that that is a bit of a weird thing to be into. But also I thought, why are people so personally offended? Why does this make someone angry? Mm-hmm. You know, it's two consensual adults doing something. Mm-hmm. Why would that make someone have such a knee-jerk reaction? Mm-hmm. So that was how I kind of came to that piece. And then through talking to women and men who were into it, found out more, understood what it was about it that was appealing. So then with this um, other piece, the gynecological fetish piece it was a similar starting point I I kind of came at it from this starting point of I think this is a bit weird and this makes me feel uncomfortable so let's try and unpack why that is and I kind of hope that when people read it they'll have the same reaction I mean I'm under no illusions people click on that headline because they're like oh that's weird right and then I I'm hoping that if they, you know, get to the bottom of the article, hopefully they'll kind of think, all right, it's still not for me, but live and let live. And I really, that's kind of. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like that you bring in experts talking about their point of view. And I, I kind of like that because, you know, like with our show every week, we interview people very often, we interview experts on very specific topics, and we learn, and we learn, and we learn. Three years later, we have so much knowledge about all different aspects of sex and sexuality that we didn't have prior to, you know, starting our radio show. I'm getting close to being able to use more than six letter words. (laughs) Right, he's learning a whole lot here. So I really like how you bring the experts 
experts in here, but for you personally, do you feel like you've grown um, by doing these types of uh, interviews and articles where you actually put yourself there, you actually you know, investigate the topic and you come out with an attitude that's slightly different than what you went into. So do you feel a lot of growth in your life? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's every article I write, I think helps me to become a bit more open-minded and actually a bit more empathetic in general. And I think that sex is a really good way to access that because we're not used to talking about it openly with people. The second someone is talking to you about their sex life in quite a graphic way, you are kind of quite forced to just empathize with that person and connect with them. And I think through all the people I've spoken to from researching various articles, that's the experience I've had. It's helped me to be a lot more open-minded and a lot more thoughtful maybe about why somebody might like something that I personally would find a bit odd. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's really not odd. It's just about not judging and allowing people to do what's good in their couple. And uh, we experience and and see things that aren't our thing. Our cup of tea. (laughs) But it is for those other couples. And we say, more power to you. If you can do something that's going to spice up your sex life and add to your couple to keep it exciting and away from that boring old mundane that leads to divorce, then good on you. If you have that communication that can allow you to fulfill your fantasies and push your boundaries, you're going to have a great couple forever and ever and ever. And one of the things we like to say is don't yuck my yum. And we all have different opinions on things. And uh, sometimes when I go to eat something and David looks at it and goes, oh, I hope don't yuck my yum. You know, that's a rule. <laughs> yeah, it's still yucky. Yeah. <laughs> so, so David, I really like that you said communication there because that's something I've really noticed is that all the couples and single people and sex workers that I've spoken to are so thoughtful about what their motivations are, why they like what they like, why they don't like what they don't like. And because of that thoughtfulness and that ability to really explain and and not be not be offended by questions you know to actually just have the confidence to say okay it's not your thing but this is why I like it I think that that is why it's become so easy to to be open-minded to to other people's yums and it also makes us more authentic when we can share what we like and we're being ourselves and we're feeling a safe space to express what we like without being judged Mm -hmm. and in a relationship that's all we ask basically is our partner to listen Mm -hmm. and not judge us for the things that we like it doesn't mean you're going to have to do all of those things that are you know that you don't agree i got a long list you have a long list i know but at (laughs) least we can express the things that we like uh and want in and without and in a judgment-free environment is kind of what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, no, absolutely, it's great. And you know, um, before we get into, we're almost done in the segment, and then we're going to talk about uh, Abby's sex life or <laughs> orgasms, masturbation, and all stuff like that. But you know, so far in the show, we've spoken about a lot of very cool things. We've spoken about swinging. We've spoken about nudity. We've spoken about kink. And Abby. You know, you're really immersed in this. You do a lot of research, investigative reporting. 
Um, why do you think it's important for everyone to continuously learn about sex and sexuality and relationships forever? Because I think the 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 attitude of not being able to learn about it and not being able to talk about it is so outdated. You know, that that comes from such a bygone era that I personally don't think is relevant to our lives anymore. You know, we, we should have evolved beyond feeling ashamed and embarrassed about something that obviously everybody does. Everybody has sex, you know. And, and I think that's why it's important to to throw away this kind of outdated idea of oh no you don't you don't talk about that that's just behind closed doors and you know don't don't ask don't talk about that um because it's just it's ridiculous isn't it everybody does it we all know that we all do it and yet it's somehow this dirty secret mm -hmm. and you know, you know it's when you when you really analyze it objectively it's quite it's quite bizarre and from our personal experience of having been swingers for 12 years and being in the industry Carol and I continuously learn. Whenever we go on trips or events, there's educators there. We go to the events. Carol just learned a new technique on how to give me a better blowjob. And I thought she gave amazing blowjobs, but we're always open to learning, which enhances our sexual relationship and makes our couple stronger every time we go to an event or even when we have sex well, every time. Also makes it different, and that's how we spice up our sex lives. We try new things, and I'm sure a lot of people want to do that as well. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's quite strange to, we kind of put sex in this weird category all on its own. I mean, you know, you wouldn't eat the same thing every single meal, would you? So why do we think that we can't evolve in our sex lives in, in the same way? You're absolutely right. And if you want to really uh, match it to um, eating, then of course, we always try new recipes. There's new ways of cooking, whether you want to fry it or barbecue yeah. it or whatever, there's all those new ways. Even if you're eating the same food, you're changing it up somehow how with, with different spices or different cooking techniques or whatever. So that's exactly what happens with sex as well. It's the same thing. It's, you know, you have the same pussy. I eat your pussy <laughs> the same time, uh, the same the same pussy all the time, but we eat it different ways. We use fingers, we use toys, we use tongues, we use cocks, we use all different things to pleasure the pussy, but it's still the same pussy. Pussy, right? You just have to do different things with it, and the same thing with a cock. You know, you put it in different holes, you do, use different hands, use different lubes, use different toys, but it's about keeping it spicy. Yeah, it's so great. We're just yeah. going to take a second now and remind everybody that we are Carol and David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We're having an amazing discussion with Abby Moss. She's a freelance journalist. And coming up is our favorite segment, Great Sex Matters. And we all want better sex, right? And one of the biggest issues preventing people from getting there is that everyday stress. And we have with us Lynn and Jonam, founders of Amarita Awakening. So, Jonam, how do people get to have better sex from following your program and workshops? Great question, Carol. So this is almost like taking a mini vacation. And it's all about taking that sensual journey into the depths of your own mind so that you can instantly relax and reconnect with yourself. And from there, you can connect far better with whoever you're sharing this intimate time with. And you can do all of this from the comfort of your own home. That's true. We created this as a tool so that you guys can be at home and learn to tune out the stresses and distractions of your workaday life and tune into the freedom that you really want to be here and to be present. 
because when you're able to shut off that monkey mind, you know, the one that just chatters and chatters when you're trying to pay attention to something else, it stops you from being able to really de-stress. So with the Amrita Awakening series, you're able to be free and explore just how much pleasure you can feel. And honestly, we have found that there really is no upper limit. Lynn Jonam, thank you so much. To learn more, go visit amritaexperience.com. That's A-M-R-I-T-A experience.com. All right, we're back. You know, this is a sexy lifestyle. We are Carolyn David, and now it's time for our favorite part of the show where we're going to talk to Abby all about great sex because... Well, great sex matters, and we all deserve it. So, Abby, this is the part where we get to dive deep into your personal life. Let's start with a little bit about your upbringing. Uh, when you were younger, in your, you know, when you still lived at home with your parents, was it easy to talk about sex or sex-related questions? Were you able to ask your parents things when you were younger? Uh, no, in no. a word. Um, I remember my mum sort of trying to bring up the talk with me, and I think my response was, oh, mum, mum, I know about that. We we learned it in school. But of course, you don't learn it in right. school, not really. You know, what you learn in school is this ridiculous sort of Victorian, this is where a baby comes from, from a textbook. You don't learn anything about pleasure or consent or any of that. You know, that's, that's a very interesting point. I'm just going to go sideways for a second here. We've had a couple of amazing um, sex educators on our show who talk to kids and parents of kids about how to talk about sex. Today. Today. Right. And the biggest thing they talk about is that talk shouldn't be just a talk. It has to be a continual discussion about sex and sexuality as the children grow at different age-appropriate levels of their um, uh, development. Get, development. And um, it brings them and helps them understand that talking about sex and sexuality is normal and it helps them when they get into a relationship to have that great communication with their partner because it's okay to talk about those things where in the past have been very taboo. And Ab Abby, I also had uh, an upbringing similar to yours. My, my parents were British. And of course, in the British thing, you d don't talk about sex. It's not very easy at all. But there's lots of different cultural ch differences in upbringings. And that's why we asked what yours was. Uh, that really, um, but the, the similar thing is um, people just don't talk about sex, period. You know, that's just one of the things that happens. And hopefully, in today's day and age, that we are doing more and more better job teaching our children from an earlier age, at least opening up those doors that they could ask questions. Mm -hmm. So you were in the type of uh, relationship with your parents where you didn't. Did you have girlfriends or anybody you can consult with? Um, I think, I, I mean, I, I tend to think that this has changed now for young people today, at least I hope it has. But when I was growing up, I was... I wasn't aware of it at the time, actually. Looking back, I can see it now. But I think for young women, when I was a teenager, there was very much an attitude of sex was for the men, you know. Mm -hmm. And my girlfriends would talk about being good in bed, and that was all geared towards, oh, you know, I can make my boyfriend come really fast and things like that. So please, you know, him. there was. I, I don't recall there ever being any conversations with my teenage friends growing up about their 
enjoyment of sex. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be, that's something that hopefully is changing today with, you know, with information that you're writing in your articles and information that we're giving out in our show, that of course, women's pleasure is part of sexuality, part of being a woman, and that we have to embrace that and make sure that we include the pleasure part in our lovemaking and in the sex that we're having with our partners. And it's not just about them. So Abby, as you were, as you were growing up, do you remember the first time you masturbated or the first time you had an orgasm? I actually do yeah and again this I think this comes from not having had proper conversations about it not knowing about it I didn't really understand what it was and I remember actually feeling quite frightened kind of oh my god that was a a weird new thing you know and I think that comes from again just not having had any open conversations about it and it wasn't until afterwards when I kind of started looking into it myself, I think probably on the internet, that I kind of went, oh, okay, I, I get that now. That's a normal thing. And how old were you when you st- first started becoming sexually active? Um, sexually active with partners or? No, self-pleasuring. Own? Yeah. Um, 12, maybe mm-hmm. 11, 12. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And when did you start uh, having it with partners? 16. Okay. Oh, like you. (laughs) Yeah, 15 was me, but yes, exactly. Uh, And of course, when I started having sex, again, just like you, it was all about... pleasing the man and uh, you know you would I would pride myself on giving the best blow jobs because and it was nothing to do with me um, actually for penetrative, se- penetrative sex or having pleasure it was not about that at all I mean it did happen of course mm-hmm. but it wasn't about that the discussion were always about the great blow jobs that I could give and I, it wasn't oh. until I was like 21 that I actually had my first orgasm real orgasm mm. so I'd had been having sex for about seven years before I even experienced an orgasm myself I, that sounds familiar I mean I will say that my first partner when I was 16 you know we were in a long-term relationship we're actually still friends now um, and he's a lovely guy so I think the part of the problem is that I, I don't want to suggest that kind of teenage boys were being these sort of misogynistic kind of learning everything from porn and pressuring their partners into only being there for them. I don't think that was what was happening. It was kind of a two-way problem where teenage girls don't aren't comfortable and aren't empowered to ask for what they want, and teenage boys aren't taught to think about that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So just going back to the masturbating and self-pleasuring, as a guy, you know, we start as soon as we can. And I hear both you and Carol started self-pleasuring or exploring when you were young. And I know growing up, it was taboo, close the door, put the Playboy or Penthouse magazine where your mom can't find it, even though later on in life you find out they knew exactly what you were doing. But today... Carol and I have a great couple relationship where we uh, mutually self-pleasure, where we masturbate in front of each other, we get each other turned on. Have you brought that into your relationship where you and your partner actually self-pleasure in front of each other? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's definitely a part of our, of our sex lives now. Yeah, that's actually for couples, one of the things that is hard for people who, um, you know, are not used to that, where they usually think that masturbating is something you do in a closed door, uh, behind closed doors, I should say. And and very often in couples, uh, if your partners walk in on you masturbating, the first thing you do is 
a lot of couples, the first thing they, the, they do is they stop and they don't realize that it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to be masturbating. It's part of our sexuality. Self-pleasuring mm-hmm. is part of our, our sexual health and it's self-care as well as self-pleasuring. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just something that we should be doing, of course. Yeah, and you know, self-pleasuring is really a lot of fun, especially when you do it together. But what's really cool as swingers, you know, we can go from self-pleasuring where there's really not very many rules to foursomes and moresomes. And as swingers, there are a whole bunch of rules that uh, need to be followed and respected. I mean, one of the rules that we have in the lifestyle is that we only play with couples. And that's really to make sure that we are both having uh, equal fun, if you want to call it that. I'm not a bisexual myself. So for me, having another woman in bed, which is fine, two of us can do David, but it's not about me having pleasure with the other woman. And, you know, that's not my goal. It's not my desire. Uh, if she's there, great, that's fine. But um, it, same with two guys. It's okay. Uh, to have two guys do me, it's fine, David's fine with it, but we've already d- made the decision that we prefer to have two, uh, two like meaning a couple, couple on couple, so that we both can have equal fun You know, I'm okay experience. with a couple of other women. I know you are. I, I get that. Two part. other couples of other women. <laughs> yes, we like orgies. We like a group pile. We like pile sex. We just, orsons and morsons. Yes, we absolutely do. Um, because then there's a big dynamic of all sorts of you know choices at that point. So uh, yes, then... Then definitely, but I, I love the idea that you have um, it as a two-way, and that you both want to have the pleasure. And one thing, one thing will tell you is the first time you do it might not be great, but when you're done, talk about it and try it again if it wasn't a hundred percent right or one person right. didn't have fun. Because the nerves the first time you try something different, especially bringing another human body into your sex life, is is a little nerve-wracking yeah, sometimes yeah. it's not like bringing a sex toy where you're just worried about running out of batteries <laughs> and also you know, really talk about what you liked and what you didn't like or what you would change next time round and be positive about it stick to the positive things that's the only yeah for sure i think you know as you say communicating is the most important thing and i think yeah, because you've created that safe space in your relationship where you actually can open up and um, and discuss these things in a safe way, in a safe space, and not be judged for the comments that you you're gonna you're gonna say. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess it's come to that time of our show where we're gonna give our final advice, and I think we're gonna have to go back to the topic of online s- swinging or online dating. I meant to say online dating for swingers. Um, what would you say would be the top two things that a newbie couple I means someone new, like when you were pretending to be a couple online, something who's new, somebody who's new, that you could give them some advice that would prevent them to be lured by a fake profile and waste time with a single guy who's pretending to be a couple. Um, I think the first thing is to not worry about being too nice. I think a lot of people are worried about offending someone by saying something like, right, I want to do a video chat so that I can see that you are who you say you are. Mm -hmm. You know, people are very worried that that will come across as rude somehow. And I think you just need to forget about that because if someone's being genuine and if someone gets it, they're not going to be offended. They're going to go, yeah, that's fine. I can see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. That's very, very um, true. That's, so that's number one, I guess. Don't don't think too much about, don't worry too much about being nice, um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, or polite. Polite might be a better way of, of putting it. Don't worry about being polite. Um, and then the other one, I suppose, is to just be yourself. 
just be genuine be honest you know don't we encountered people who were kind of really exaggerating their level of experience you know were saying yeah I've had eight threesomes and ten for you know foursomes and it's like that have you though you know why <laughs> why why are you saying that if it's not true right and I think that comes from quite a comes from a place of kind of wanting to seem like the most experienced person and actually it's fine to be trying new things and to be talking about that you don't need to you don't need to lie about that you know abby i have to absolutely agree with you the sexiest thing that we find in another couple is the ones who are humble who are just themselves who are comfortable Mm. in their own shoes and just want to go out and have a good time yeah All right, Abby, that was absolutely amazing. We reserve the right to invite you back next time you write another article. Maybe you can do it all about us on swinging and swinging in the and all the fun stories that we have about our adventures over the last 12 years. Uh, why don't you take a minute to tell everyone how they can reach out to you, where they can find this amazing article you just wrote, and um, where they can find you on social media. So um, if you head over to vice.com, you can read um, the article that we've been talking about. Um, You can also read my work on refinery29.com. And then you can feel free to reach out to me on Twitter, at Moss Abigail. And on Instagram, I am Abby Moose, like the animal, (laughs) animal with big horns, Abby Moose 89 (laughs) on Instagram. And if you didn't get all that, all that information, all that information will be up on our website, thesexylifestyle.com. And we're learning more and more every week from all our fantastic guests. And we hope you do too. You just have to visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com to find out more about all our expert guests. You can even contact them if you have questions about sex, sexuality, relationships, whatever. Remember to sign up on sdc.com if you're looking for an open-minded online community to meet other sexy people and find out where the events are happening near you. If you use promo code 30314, you'll get the first month free, so check it out. And one other trip we want to remind you about, and you can join us because we're going to be at Hedonism 2, which is that amazing clothing, clothing optional resort in Jamaica. We're going to be there May 9th to 16th, 2020, as we broadcast live from the world's most iconic playground during Tantra Week, featuring Kim and Brad, our good friends from Tantric Hearts. So for more information about this or anything else, visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, or simply send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. Alrighty, that's it for our show today. Abby Moss, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's been great. And let's thank all our listeners for listening as well. And join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 